0: you are listening to the mzbc students greenhouse podcast for more information about mount zion baptist church go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on twitter and instagram at mzbc students tonight we're in hebrews chapter 12 uh, doing, we're going to be talking about verses 1 and 2. And so a lot of you in the room, not everyone, and that's okay, but a lot of you in the room have heard these verses, uh, probably preached a bunch of different times. But tonight we're going to be looking at them in the context of temptation and sin. This is our last week on our series uh, called Tempted, and so that's, what, that's the context we're looking at these these verses tonight. As you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context. So Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews the main intent is to just get across to to us the reader how incredible, how awesome Jesus is. Jesus is the high priest. That Jesus is King of Kings. Jesus is everything. Jesus is better than everything. Jesus, whatever you can imagine Jesus to be, he's better than that. Infinitely better than that. That's that's the main point that the, that the writer of Hebrews is trying to get across. Now, just before chapter twelve, in chapter eleven. Uh, he's, he goes through these heroes of the faith. And I, I give you this context because it's important to w- some of the stuff that we're going to talk about uh, in these first two verses of, of chapter 12 here. Uh, in chapter 11, he goes to these heroes of the faith. Moses, Abraham, Sarah, uh, Jacob, David, like all these people. Uh, he he kind of walks through and talks about their faith. Talks about their faith over and over and over again. Um, and it was their faith. And we, w- we won't get into too much of this tonight. Uh, but you should ask your leaders later. They'll, they'll love this, right? Uh, it was their faith because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that Abraham still received salvation even though Jesus was a few thousand years later But because of the faith that Abraham had. How all that works, I'm not God. So I don't really know. But that's, that's, what he's, that's what he's getting across. And then we come to these verses here. So let me read. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. And sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's just start back at the top there and just work our way kind of phrase by phrase through this and kind of sort of diagram. Uh, and uh, dissect what the the writer's talking about here. Put this in do not disturb mode because people will message me and it distracts me. All right, here we go. I would promise that that's going to be my only distraction, but that's probably not going to be. That's just not, that's, I'm more, any of you guys seen Up, the dog, I forget his name, and he's just like, squirrel. That's like me most of my life. Um, So I can never really get a lot accomplished because before I like finish one thing, I'm like on to the next. That's just, that's kind of how my brain works. So let's start, let's start at the top here. Verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and we'll stop there. Cloud of witnesses. first time I, I read this, I, I'm a long time ago, but I was super confused. I, I literally imagined like a cloud of people or something, and that's not what he's talking about here, right? So let's let's talk about what, he, uh, what he's talking about here. I, there are two sort of layers of what he's talking about here, and so probably what you've heard a, a lot of is is sort of this picture uh, of of like moses and abraham and the, all these great people of faith in the old testament like sort of in this stadium sort of setting and they're watching us and that, that sort of deal. And that's not necessarily a, a wrong interpretation but um but i think it's i think it's different than that so the first layer of this for me uh and and how i understand this is actually what he's talking about just before this he's the writer's given us a glimpse of their story I mean, just a little bit of of who Moses was, at least the importance of the faith that he had, right? The faith that Abraham had, the faith that, that Sarah had, and goes over and over and over in this. And so what he's talking about is their life of faith is a witness to us, is an example for us of what a life of faith should look like. Even though Moses messed up and doubted God a whole bunch, he was still counted faithful because he continually ran toward God. He continually held faith in god even in the craziest of situations he maintained faith in god and so this this cloud of witnesses it's the, those who've gone on before us those of us who are following jesus those of us who profess him to be lord these are the examples that we try to live up to there are they're the witnesses of what a life lived by faith should look like but then there's this there's other sort of side of that that's similar to what I first talked about, uh, but I imagine it more like this because we're talking about running in just a minute and that sort of deal. I don't know if any of you have run like a 5K, 10K, or marathon or that kind of stuff. Um, I did a half marathon once. It was the worst thing I ever chose to do. Uh, but, like, if you've, if you've ever even, like, been to one of these or you've seen anything on TV, you know, like, part of the race is you have all these, these people, like, lining the streets, like, with signs and, like, cheering people on and giving them, like, water and that sort of deal. In this metaphor of a race, I see it like this. Metaphorically, not literally. Metaphorically, you have these heroes of the faith, Moses and Abraham and Sarah and David. They're lining the streets as we run toward Jesus, this marathon, this endurance race. We're running toward Jesus, and they're lining the streets cheering us on. Saying, I've I've finished, and I know you can too. Keep going. I've faced that temptation that you're facing right now. And with Jesus' help, you can endure it, you can keep going. And so they're standing, they're lining the streets of this marathon that we're running toward Jesus, saying, keep going. I promise the finish line's worth it. Keep going. I promise it's worth it. That's 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 the imagery I get when I see this, especially in the context that the writer's talking about in this, this sort of running and endurance race. And the writer, he goes from talking about these these people in the past talking about these heroes of the faith, and then he switches to you and I. It's like, hey, you're surrounded by all these great people, so for you and I, is what he says. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance. Notice that he says run. He doesn't say loaf around, right? It doesn't say meander. He doesn't say, like, life's an adventure, man. Go wherever you want, right? He's not, like, he's not doing any of that sort of stuff. He says, run. You've heard the phrase a bunch of times, whether you've been in church or not, ever, that life's a marathon. It's not a sprint, right? And so he says, run with endurance. And so it's not like you give everything you got and throw up, and then that's it, right? Like, that's not what we're talking about, right? That's kind of a joke. You can laugh. It's fine, right? Right. I could tell you a story. One time I was running and I did throw up. That was fun. Um, Fajitas—they taste pretty good. Second time too. Um, right? All right. Listen up. Shh. Now that you're now that you're kind of with me, you've kind of woken up a little bit. We'll we'll keep going in this. So he says, "Run this." Is, so this there's running's not easy, right? I mean, if you've ever run ever even like to just go to the refrigerator, you realize like running's not easy. And so he's not saying like we're taking a little uh, walk through the cul-de-sac or whatever, right? He's saying we're running an endurance race, which means it's going to be hard. That means it takes work. It takes, it takes work to do this. And so before I go much further and I start using this word work, I want to be very clear up front. Our salvation has nothing to do with the work that you and I do. The only thing That is involved in our salvation is our belief in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, his conquering of death and sin. And when we believe in him, that we are made right with God, right? That's salvation. So there's no working your way to God. There's no earning your way into heaven. None of that kind of stuff. So that's not at all what I'm talking about, okay? So with our salvation, it has nothing to do with our works. But in life, there is work to be done. Let me say that again. Our salvation is not based on any work that we do, but in life, there is work to be done. Does that make sense just a little bit? Though Jesus handles all the salvation side of things, there's still stuff that we do. We are not passive participants in life. We're not just bystanders in life. There is action. Jesus commands and calls us to go and to... To share and to love, right and all of these are action things and so there is work, there is action to be done in all of this. And Jesus Jesus wants us to run, He wants us to run with endurance and to run in the right direction. When we're dealing with temptation and sin in the same way, we are not passive bystanders. This is not something that just happens to us. And then Jesus just handles our problems and whatever if you're a Christian, right? That's not how it works. We're not passive in this. There's work to be done of setting stuff aside. He talks about this, right? Of setting things aside. So we, the video earlier of the guy making the one trip, carrying all the groceries and that kind of thing, right? How many of you, like your parents, make you get the groceries from the car? And it's like every, everyone who ever has carried groceries, your number one goal is to take as many or as few trips as possible, right? And so you just like load it all up and you're like going through the garage and you're like trying to like slide between the car and you got to like open the door and like push the button right and you're like i don't know how this is going to work right and then like there's the little kid carrying all of it and he just falls over right <laughs> i mean that's like that's that's the number one goal when you're carrying uh <laughs> when you're trying when you're trying to uh carry uh all those bags and that sort of thing um But I see, it, I see what they're talking about here, this setting, this laying aside, and it talks about sin that clings. Sin clings onto us, right? When we allow temptation, remember we talked about before, temptation itself is not the sin. It's when we allow it to linger and lead us into sin, right? That's whenever it's sin. Uh, and so I see, it, I see it a lot like this, okay? So I'm really into groceries today. I'm not sure why. Um, so I, I see it like this, okay? Maybe maybe a lot of your parents, you start carrying that weight. Maybe you cheat on a test. It's just one time, right? But then you start to carry that weight. Then, uh, I don't know, maybe you uh, start telling lies to your friends. Maybe you... Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's, it goes on and on and on the list of things that I could do. Maybe you've, maybe you've looked at porn on your phone and it's become a habit. It's become a a continual sin and it just continues to weigh you down over and over and over again. And before you know it, your hands are full and it starts to build up and build up and you can only carry it for so long. Right. And it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. You're trying to carry it all yourself. You're trying to. To, quote, do the work, but we're doing it the wrong way because the work that's to be done is not in our own strength. It's not in our own power. Right? The next thing he says, we're running with endurance, this race that's set before us, looking to Jesus. So we're not just running aimlessly. We're not just wandering through a desert uh, like the Israelites, there's there's somewhere we're going. There is a purpose to this race that Christians are running. Is running toward Christ. Is running toward being like Jesus. And we talked about last week this process of sanctification, right? It's this process of being made more and more and more like Jesus. And so in that process, Jesus says, "Come to me, who are heavy laden, who are weary, who are burdened," right? Because he takes on the load, and so. As you're carrying all this stuff and you're you're running, you actually start running toward Jesus. You're looking toward Jesus, the whole thing that we're doing here. And he stands there in that moment of temptation, that moment of sin. And you're carrying all that weight. He says, lay that aside. And you can run faster. Lay that aside. Confess that to me and give it up. And you can run faster. And as you start to work through that and you start to hand things over to Jesus, suddenly the weight starts to come off. You're like, okay, I can, I can kind of start to, to handle this. But over time, throughout life, because none of us ever reach perfection on earth here, but the goal is still to be like Christ, who was perfect. And so through this process, the Holy Spirit working in us continues to show us things. Maybe, and I've talked about this a bunch, and I'm probably going to say it a bunch of times more because it's, so, it's such a problem. Some of us need to literally remove things from our lives so that we can set the weight down and we can run further and we can run faster. There's, all of, there, there's, there's so many things that try to weigh us down in this life. There's sin that tries to cling onto us and slow us down or even stop us. The enemy's goal, if you're a follower of Christ, is to stop you from running this race. And so all the temptation that comes your way, all of that sin that tries to cling on to you, he's throwing that at you to slow you down and to stop you. But when we look to Jesus and we actually hand those things over to him, we can start running faster and we can run further. And whenever we're actually focused on Jesus, when the temptation comes, Jesus looks way better than whatever that temptation is, but you've got to put in the work. You've got to. You've, you, and by work, I mean it's the only reason we can run and we can do the work at all is because of Jesus, right? Jesus is the one that brings us salvation. And after you you have salvation and you've given your life over to Jesus, at that point the Holy Spirit begins working in you, and it's through the work of the Holy Spirit that we can then see the sin for what it is, and we can set it down, and we can run toward Jesus. And this and this is where it starts to really get cool. Okay, so. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the founder. He's the, he's the start of it all. He's the foundation of everything and perfecter. There's a couple of different ways uh, of looking at this perfecter. He's, he lived out the perfect life. He literally is the perfect example of how we are supposed to live, right? But also in this process of sanctification, perfecter. He's the one that's continually perfecting us over time as he shows us things that are weighing us down. And we set those aside. It's through his revealing those things to us and the work that he does in us that we set those things aside. And so he's the one that's perfecting us over time as we run further and further and faster and faster toward him. But how is how is any of that possible? And I've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but it goes on. And this next phrase that, that the writer here, I want everybody really focused in. This is extremely important. No talking to neighbors, any of that kind of stuff, like really focused in. Okay. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's one of, that's one of the most beautiful and kind of crazy statements in this whole, this whole passage here. So in the same sentence, you have the word joy, and then you have you have the writer talking about Jesus dying, the most brutal, excruciating death that a human can, can experience doesn't make sense to me right who has joy when they're experiencing what jesus experienced literally beaten within inches of his life literally beaten so badly he didn't look like himself or really didn't even look human but the but the writer here says for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross so how is it that jesus can have joy what is this joy that was set before Jesus Jesus knew the end goal he knew what was, he knew what would happen when he, after he went to the cross, was buried and then was raised like he, he knew the finish line, and the finish line was to bring salvation to you and to me because he knew. What he would endure would bring salvation to you and I, would glorify the Father, and would bring us into relationship with the Father whenever we would believe in him. We would put our faith in him and make him Lord of our life. He willingly and joyfully went to the cross and died for you and for me, taking on that sin. That's how all this is possible. Because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, anyone who believes in him can have their sins forgiven and have eternal life in heaven.